Episode 38 of Shailen on Batman. Today we are totally floored and bamboozled to welcome our first comic book artist. Today's guest is a legend in the world of comics who has drawn comics and graphic novels like Batman Black and White, Batman Deathblow, Hellblazer, Before Watchmen, Rorschach, Lex Luthor, Man of Steel, Suiciders, Joker, Batman Noel, and currently we are Robin. Please welcome to the show, Lee Bermejo. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Thank you. Amazing. It's our pleasure. Well, this is something we kind of start out asking everybody, um, all the guests that we've had on the show. Um, what's your Batman? And in your case, how has your Batman influenced your career of drawing and writing about him? Well, um, yeah, I guess I, I think my Batman is, is the Adam West Batman, really. I think that was my uh, my introduction to the character uh, when I was a kid. I mean, I, you know, back in my day, <laughs> my uh, my parents would rent a VCR from the one video rental place in, in Athens, Ohio, that, uh, that uh, you know, had that kind of technology, the crazy futuristic technology of the, of, of the VHS machine. <laughs> and... Um, <clears throat> And uh, I would get every time a, a, a He-Man cartoon and the Batman 60s movie. That was my – they were literally the only two things I wanted to rent every time. So um, that was kind of my introduction, I think, to Batman was that, was that movie. I didn't actually see the TV show until years later, until around 1988 or 89 before the Batman movie came out, the first one, uh, the first Burton movie. And, um, yeah, the, the, the Adam West Batman <laughs> couldn't be farther from, from my Batman, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> but at the same time, that was really, um, you know, the, the, uh, this, in a strange way, the basics of it are, are there. You just have to really look for them. I mean, um, I was a, I was a huge fan of the Burton Batman too because I I think I was in fifth grade when that when that came out and so it was kind of the perfect time for me I was buying all the Batman comics that were coming out at the time Legends of the Dark Knight uh, had just started being published and I was um, yeah I was I was way into the Batman you know continuity at that point in time Death in the Family all that stuff uh, and Burton Batman came along just just at the right time for me but i have this memory of being a kid at much you know years before before this my my father came home from work one day and said hey you know they're making a new batman movie and um i remember thinking oh awesome and i had in my mind i had this vision of what it could look like and obviously at that point in time it was very similar to the adam west batman so i remember that first photograph um of Michael Keaton in the bat suit. And that just blew my mind at the time. It was just so different from what I was expecting. Right. Uh, totally a different vision and, you know, extremely artistic, extremely powerful. That film had a huge impact on me, specifically the, 
cinematography style, I think, really changed the way I thought about um, lighting, e even at that young age. And I, I was, I developed, I uh, started developing tastes that were a little bit more um, noir oriented, even, even then, you know, movies like uh, Angel Heart and, and things that were coming out at the time that had a, a bit more contrast in them became, started becoming uh, more important to me. But getting back to the Adam West Batman, you know, there was something about this guy in tights. <laughs> there was something about this guy in, 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 um, uh, a costume that looked, I, I, can I call it more realistic? I mean, the Burton Batman to me seemed more like an animal, right? Something you, know? you could achieve yourself, actually, right. like a costume your mom could make you almost. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, I remember, you know, um, I was a nut for this kind of little details when I was a kid, like, those episodes of Adam West Batman where they'd show him pulling the batarang out of the utility belt yeah, and it uh -huh. was like, it fit in there. And then like, I needed stuff to make sense. I need, and, you know, I needed all this unrealistic stuff to make sense somehow. So I was the kid going, um, so Spider-Man pulls off and on his mask, but you never see the line where the mask meets the rest of the costume. Like you never, you never see that. And I was also the kid going, so he's got these web shooters, but you don't see the impression of the web shooters on his wrists. It just looks like that bugged me as a kid, as a kid. So I, I was kind of a stickler for these little uh, aspects of realism that I wanted to see that weren't there. Um, and so I think in a way that that uh, those two different visions, this Burton-esque uh, vision that was much more gothic and, and noir in nature, and then this Adam West uh, Batman that was a little bit more, um, yeah, made by your mom, I guess. So that's a good way to put it. I think those two things converged in my in my head and started to, you know, develop from there into what um, what became kind of my own personal take on the, well, on the character. We were reading Batman Noel yesterday again for like the fifth, 500 millionth time. <laughs> and yeah. we were, we're like, Adam West Batman, because you drew it out like, like right. Adam West. I was like, wow, like even that's insane. We, I re read somewhere or saw an interview where you, you said your grandmother bought you The Dark Knight Returns. Now, what was it like yeah. holding that in your hand and reading that for the first time? Yeah, that was crazy. I don't think she had any idea as to the content. I think she just bought me the book because it was a cool looking book and it had Batman in it. I think yeah. those were the two things that, the only two, you know, things that mattered to, to her. Um, she was an English teacher, so she was way into, um, you know, hooking me up with all kinds of, I mean, you know, uh, literature at the time, Dickens and Conrad and all that stuff, uh, you know, that all came from, that all came from her. Um, and in a weird way, she was also the only person in my family who, who respected comics. I think she had this idea that they were artistic in nature. She knew that I liked to draw. So she actually would push kind of comics on me, you know, which, which was, I think, unique because most of the time, people I think of her generation tended to think of them more as, uh, you know, um, as something for, for little kids. Then again, I, w I was a little kid, so maybe that, maybe that was the case. But, um, yeah, she, she really, uh, you know, gave me the, 
the gateway drug, I think, into um, <laughs> thinking thinking that, that this could be a career. Because, I mean, I remember holding that book in my hand and looking through it and immediately it looks different than your average comic, right? It's, it's right, got yeah. paint colors and the artwork was like nothing I'd seen at that point. And the story was um, so adult for me at the time. Again, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade when I wow got that. And that then for me was we, we lived in this um, little town where there wasn't a, there wasn't a comic shop. So when my family moved to California, I think I was uh, ten or eleven. Uh, I went to a comic shop for the first time, and immediately was kind of attracted to stuff like the Shadow um, that DC was doing at the time. And American Flag and Blackhawk, the stuff that Howard Shaken was doing. And I think specifically because there was that painted aspect of it that reminded me a bit of um, of The Dark Knight Returns. So that book was definitely, yeah, that, that was it for me. That was the gateway drug. Yeah, so when did you pick up a pencil and start drawing? And when did you realize, like, wow, I can probably make a living from doing this? I don't, I don't know if it was that early, but it might have, it might have been because I was drawing all the time, even when I was very, very small. So I, I always drew. My mom had um, a Norman Rockwell coffee table book on our, you know, living room coffee table for most of my life. So I was copying Norman Rockwell paintings, um, you know, and stuff like that with a pencil. So and when so you say was, copy, sorry to interrupt, do you mean like tracing or do you? No, like copying, like okay. looking at it and then drawing okay. what I was drawing, what I was seeing. My mom was one of those, um, you know, uh, crazy parents who was like, I'm going to give my kid a right brain drawing exercise. So I'm going to have him sit across the table from me and I'm going to draw something and then have him copy what I'm drawing and it'll be upside down, but it's a great right brain exercise. <laughs> so that, that was my... That was my mom's, you know, my mom's, um, uh, you were just in training from the beginning, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not even like she was an artist or anything like that. I think that that was just, you know, part of maybe what she was into at the time or yeah. studying my mom's, um, she's a speech pathologist, but she, you know, she's been in, uh, in, um, in the rehab, you know, she basically organizes therapy for people who've been in traumatic car accidents. So I think that kind of stuff, in, you know, interests her and, and yeah. you know, uh, brain injury in general. And so she, um, brain development. So that kind of stuff, I think, played played a role when I was when I was a little kid. And so she would have me do that kind of stuff. So I started copying a lot of stuff from a very, a very young age. Um, but I think the first time I picked up a pencil and drew something of my own I mean you know was pretty young I think I, I think I was drawing Indiana Jones and Star Wars stuff when I was uh, like four four or five um, but um, in fifth grade I remember um, we just moved to California and uh, my first year in, in school out there and uh, I had gotten a copy of first comics American flag number one when they started to reprint the series or do the new series, I should say through first comics. Okay. And the cover had kind of this shot of him lounging on a, on like, um, some kind of 
poof for chair or something like that. And there were all these uh, women in lingerie kind of draped over him and all these TVs in the background with his face on them. And I was copying that image and got in trouble actually in, in class because obviously the content was was not uh, a little yeah. risque. Yeah, they, they didn't see that being very appropriate. I think I tried to enter it actually into some kind of school drawing competition. That's awesome. And <laughs> I think that's how I think that's how I wound up getting in trouble. <laughs> actually, inappropriateness from from that from that age. But yeah, they um, I, I copied a lot. Long story long. So yeah, I copied a lot. So like obviously you, you've been into the comics and stuff for a long time. Like which which Batman artists like inspired you to start drawing like a Batman? And like how old were you when that when you actually did Batman? Definitely Miller, but also Mignola when he did Gotham by Gaslight. Oh that book was, yeah. yeah, that book had a huge Im- impact on me because I had to do that same year that came out. I had to do a class project about the Titanic, uh-huh. and so I needed some. I decided to do it as a comic. I bit off like way more than I could chew, <laughs> and, and so I was draw. I was drawing. I was copying a lot of Gotham by Gaslight for this school for the school project about the Titanic, <laughs> uh, and I think that was just like the you know, at the point at which I, I started to kind of, um, you know, look at, look at Mignola a little bit. Uh, yeah, probably junior high or something like that. But I would say the Batman artists, I, I loved, um, I loved Norm Breyfogle's stuff when he yes. was doing yeah. Batman back in the day. That was, that was definitely big, big for me. Um, yeah, I mean Neil Adams, that stuff. I I I like quite a bit. You know, there's not there's there wasn't a lot going on at the time that I wasn't into Batman wise, just because they started to do Legends of the Dark Knight, and so there are all these different artists doing yeah, um, doing true. the book. And I remember Paul Glacy did a, a run, Bart Sears did a run, I yep. think. A lot of different guys were doing Batman at the time, and I, I basically dug anyone who was drawing him in a way where it looked like he was wearing a, you know, a costume. So when someone, someone, someone put year one in my hands, I was like, okay, this is it. This is, this is pretty much the, the best of the best right here. Right. Did you ever submit any of your work to DC or Marvel before you got started at Wildstorm? No, I didn't. I, I was so single-minded about it that I never submitted work to DC. I, I, I wanted to work at Wildstorm, and I just relentlessly harassed them until they gave me a job. <laughs> it was it was like, uh, I don't, you know, it was just tunnel vision. I, I, I saw that as being the place that I could... Um, Get your foot in the door? I don't know. I, yeah, I just saw it as this place. They had all the artists that I was into at that point in time. And it just—it seemed like a place that had younger guys who all had different styles. Where the other studios, it imaged, you know, like Extreme or Top Cow, they seemed like they had a house style, and that wasn't the way I was drawing. Um, so I didn't feel like they would take me. Number, one. I felt like Wildstorm was more of a an open uh, environment, and that it, it very much was. I mean, when I when I started there, it was totally like that. So. Um, yeah, I just I wanted to work at Wildstorm, and that that was pretty much the end of it. So speaking of Wildstorm, you started working there in uh, 1997, and you were mm-hmm. 19. 
Yeah. Like, what were what were some of the first pieces that you actually got to do for Wildstorm? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I hope they they die a, a painful. Quick <laughs> death. I mean, they were. It was it was rough. I, I was nowhere near ready to get hired. I, I, you know, I, I think that the fact that they hired me in the first place was was um, pretty miraculous because the work that I was doing, you know, the samples that I w- that I was doing. If I'd seen someone, if I saw someone now with those samples, I would say, you know what, you're not quite ready yet. You're not, you're not there yet. You need a little bit more. You need a little bit more work. But um, I think that I kind of got lucky because it was the very end of their internship program, and um, and it was also like those years were when the big comic book boom of the '90s really ended and started to derail and go downhill big time. So people were getting out of comics at light speed. I mean, everybody wanted to get into video games. I think my first week at Wildstorm, the Spawn movie came out. And uh, yeah, we went to see the premiere of the Spawn movie, uh, like the whole studio went. And afterwards, Jim had a a party at, at his place. And I just remember all these older guys like telling me like, like, man, get out while you can. There's no money in this business. Like, and this is Jim Lee's party. Yeah. I mean, Jim wasn't saying this. It was all the other guys like at the, at the, uh, uh, some of the older Wildstorm guys who were there, you know, some of the first interns and, and, um, you know, guys who were working at the studio, I expected it to be this place where, everybody would be working one big room, Marvel bull, bullpen style, right? I got there and there's like five people, five artists, I should say. There was about 70 people working at the company, but like five people, uh, pencilers who were, who were still there. It's Jeff Campbell, um, Travis Charest, uh, Carlos Dianda, and who else, who else was there? I mean, Ryan Benjamin and Matt Broom were kind of coming and going at that point in time. But but really, for the most part, everybody else had broke out. And the guys that I was really into, like Michael Lopez and, and Aaron Weisenfeld, those guys had left already. Those guys had gone elsewhere. So it really was totally not what I expected it to be. Um, it was still this magic place, but it, it wasn't quite the Marvel bullpen thing that I had, I had kind of built up in my in my head. Um, but yeah, I mean, at that point in time, like I said, everybody was just moving on to video games and, and there was more money in, in that industry. And, you know, the comic book industry was, was, um, sales were dropping dramatically and, and, uh, there just wasn't a whole lot of work being thrown around. So a lot of those early pieces I did at the time were Wildstorm opened a consumer products division, which is, you know, they were doing licensed products and trading cards and mm-hmm. toy designs and stuff like that. So the first year I pretty much did that and, um, was still doing samples actually while I was, while I was doing that stuff to give to the editorial department and they were just kind of, I think annoyed by me, but, um, you know, I think they appreciated the tenacity. I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't anywhere near ready to be doing comic book work. And then they, when the licensing division, took on um, the Resident Evil property. Yeah. That's when they started doing those magazines. And, uh, you know, I got to do a couple uh, stories for that for that book. And it's really awful, awful stuff. It's, yeah, it's just uh, 
any of your stuff. Nineteen, right? Any of your stuff is way like years beyond any of our like illustrations that we we draw stick figures over here. That's our Batman. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have to understand that when you're when you're working in a studio and there's guys like Travis, you know, Sheree, like they're working. It's really easy to also for reality to hit you hard because you're seeing some of the other the other uh, the quality of work. I mean, you yeah. know, I didn't really know Jim at the time, but Jim was turning in pages for I think the Marvel Heroes Reborn stuff was was going on at that point in time. And Travis had just done X Men Wildcats, that first X Men Wildcats, which wow. was like it was like walking in and seeing, you know. Caravaggio or something like that. It seems so. It seems so unattainable to me in terms of the, the quality of the work. It was so far and above what what I was capable of at the time. I could definitely see that. So, yeah. what's your Rocky training like? Are you getting there super early, leaving late at night? Are you just like head down in the foxhole trying to get to where you want to be? Totally. Yeah, I, that, I was that guy. I mean, the other guys would roll in like eleven thirty and then go to lunch, <laughs> and and I was uh, and I was that guy who's there at nine thirty. Um, I'm sure, like I said, I, I'm sure I was pretty annoying because I was like, I was that kid who was just like, I lived, ate, shat, like everything in my life was 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 that thing. I mean, that was pretty much. I was the kid in high school who walked around with the homage studios hat. <laughs> you know that was like that was my uh that was my world you know and and uh as soon as i got in first of all it was really precarious my position because they hired me for six months and then they were like then we're going to review you and see if you you can stay on and since it was an internship they had me living in in um an apartment that was close there close to the studio with a couple other guys and the way I understood it at the time was like, look, you know, like there are other kids that we'd like to try out. So if it doesn't work, you got six months, you know. And so I think they renewed me like three times. So every six months I was like cold sweats, like up for review oh, kind of thing Goodness. where I was uh, I was pretty worried that they were going to go like, hey, you know, like um, pack your pack your bags. But um, and so that was that was why I was like, I was like, OK, if. If I can't get by on talent, I'll, I'll get I'll get by on uh, I'll get by on work ethic. <laughs> so I was definitely I was definitely that kid there at, at you know at nine thirty or whatever, and uh, I just drew all the time. I mean, all the time. There really is no other way to to put it. It was just nonstop. So hard work pays off, kids. That's what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> they per, like honestly, for 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 some guys though, it's so it comes so easy. You know, there there are guys like guys that I worked with who were just like, yawn. Let me you know, let me smoke a cigarette and then come in and for fifteen minutes I'll draw something gorgeous and then I'll <laughs> go talk, and then I'll go talk about Saving Private Ryan for. <laughs> And so that, that was, that was how it was, you know, you'd watch these guys like, again, like Travis or like my studio mate, I had a couple guys who were, who were there, Carlos Deanda and, and, and Javon Kirby, JJ Kirby. And those guys were just like powerhouses. Like they would just sit down and just kind of, you know, laugh about something for 20 minutes and then they turn around and draw for 20 and you know they could just do something amazing, and I was not that guy. I was I. It's to this day it remains this way. 
it's not, it does not come easy to me. Like there are guys that make it look really easy. You know, maybe it doesn't come easy to them, but they make it look easy. And there are other guys who, who can just, you know, if you see them draw at conventions, they're just amazing. I'm, I'm not that dude. I just, wow. it takes hard work for me. And that's kind of where it begins and where it ends. That's awesome. So let's get to it. What, what was it like to draw Batman for the first time? Like legit Batman. Oh man. I mean, that was, that was it for me. Like as soon as DC was bought by wild or Wildstone was bought by DC, right? right. Everybody was like, it's over. They're going to fire us. Um, say goodbye to everything you've known at this point. Like people were treating it like a wake almost like, a, like, and, um, I mean, I was worried that I would get the axe too, but there was that part of me that was like, oh, fuck, does this mean I get to draw Batman? <laughs> yes. yes. It, was, it was like, it was, there was that part of me, all the other guys in there were Marvel guys, all of them. It was just like such a Marvel guy studio. And um, I mean, Jim came from X-Men, so I'm sure all <laughs> those guys, you know, were just, they were definitely Marvel zombies. And I was not a Marvel kid at all. Like even even the X Men stuff that Jim was doing at the time, I think I have a couple. I bought a couple issues of that, but it wasn't like I was um, drooling over over that stuff at the time. So a lot, you know, for me there was that element of like if I if if Satan allows me to live for the, through this, <laughs> I, I could get to draw. I could get to draw Batman, and uh, and that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that was kind of what I thought. So we were, you know, we were like, we were, first of all, we were underage. And so we had one of the older guys, I think at this point, I can, no one's going to get in trouble for this, but we had one of the older guys get us like a bunch of forties. <laughs> <laughs> we were so, we were so, uh, ghetto fabulous. <laughs> that time. Doing? And we all sat around one night in the studio, uh, drinking for drinking malt liquor thinking that that was going to be, that was going to be the end of, of, of it for us. Um, and Paul Levitz was like walking around the studio that day. They made the announcement like DC's buying the studio. And it was, it was uh, definitely a big, a big deal. But like, again, I was that guy going like, Oh shit. Like maybe, maybe Batman, maybe Batman could be a, a real possibility. And um, I mean, it didn't happen right away, but I, you know, I figured the first chance, first chance I get, I'm going to, um, I'm going to try to try to get me some of that. <laughs> We're so glad you did. <laughs> so when you draw, when you're drawing Batman, when you're putting pencil to paper, what is the first thing about Batman that you're drawing? Are you drawing the cowl, the bat symbol, like where he's standing? Like what's work through the process with us for the young artists out there. Right. Um, where do I where do I start? I think I start with I try to start with a silhouette, you know, like the sh with a basic shape, like mm. you know, since he's got such a recognizable silhouette, I think that probably I think most artists would probably give you the same answer because you know, like you you, you want to make that shape powerful, and you want you want to make that kind of work, and then I kind of work from the, I guess from the outside in, then and, and uh, I when I first when I first started drawing Batman though it was a little different because I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do from from the beginning with the character. I knew kind of how I wanted to interpret the costume. But I didn't have the um the confidence to take it all the way. I, that didn't come until 
uh, Lexington Man of Steel. I think that's when I really just said fuck it, and I just drew him how I how I wanted. But like when I did Batman Deathblow, I did a drawing. Um, pretty much was exactly how I wound up doing it in the book, and that was literally just me drawing a silhouette as as uh, as angular as I possibly you know as I could possibly make it. So I guess I kind of wanted him to see him as like every edge is sharp. Like there are no soft edges on him almost. Like I wanted to make him seem kind of like dangerous to touch, you know? And your Batman is definitely more real world. Like you, I could definitely yeah. see this Batman. Your, your Batman's very different from like how other artists draw him or how he's been interpreted on a big screen. He's very much real world with the, I love the short ears as well that you put on him. Yep. Everything about yeah. your Batman is so it's it's a beast on its own, and it's what's so great about it. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I mean that. I really wanted to to make him as. Um, I mean that that was the strength of the character for me, right? He's a, he's a normal guy, so I wanted to make him seem like yeah, okay, so he's a millionaire, but um, if he has to construct all this stuff on his own, you know, that's again like that's my rub about the Nolan movies is that just that like this kind of insistence on on explaining that he's got all this military based gear. It's a way to go. I mean, it's, it's not that I think it's wrong in any way. It's just not what I, how I see it. I see it as being like a guy on his own who, who, um, you know, over the years kind of put together this outfit and, and put together all this other equipment that he needs to get the job done. And so, like his batarangs and stuff like that, I don't, I don't see them being perfectly fabricated pieces of art. You know what I mean? I see them being something a bit more, uh, more, more homemade. And costume yeah. too, I see it being kind of something that, you know, one could probably put together on, on their own with with the resources to do so. You know. So you like to so so your Batman's more like a more street level Batman, like urban assault Batman, like. Yeah, he's an urban he's an urban soldier. I mean, that that's the way I see him. Yeah, definitely. I, I like I like that world in general to be very to be very urban. I mean, even like We Are Robin, it's 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 my my biggest insistence through the whole process has just been that it stays a very very street level. Like as uh, you know, any any of the outfits, anything that um, that we're seeing, I I'm trying to stay really true to that idea that it's just, it can't look like, you know, Tony Stark made a costume for somebody and, you know, it has to look like you could do it yourself if you, if you, uh, if you had the desire, but yeah, even, even the kind of, you know, even in Joker and stuff like that. I mean, when Brian and I, um, started talking about that book, it was a conversation about bullshit. That was with our the word. It was just. It was just like, what do you think about this? I was like, it's bullshit. Like it should. It should. You know, those villains should all just be. You know, a touch more realistic without losing what makes them cool and you know and fantastical. Because um, I think people can push the realism so far that you're just like, oh, okay, they took away everything that you know makes that character cool to put him, you know, I remember like I saw an image from Smallville and he was like in a trench coat and like a black, a black, you know, t-shirt. And I was like, wow, like 
that took away everything that's cool about Superman. In, oh, that, yeah. one, <laughs> in that one image, they were just like, we put him in a black trench coat and a black shirt. It took away his balls. I just, I was just like, it's Superman, man. He plays by different rules than, than, uh, you know, than, than Batman. And, you know, you, you have to have, I think with Batman, you have to have, um, you know, villains that, that fit within that world. It's like, you know, Killer Croc, I, I don't see him being this big kind of deformed monster, you know, see him being like a guy with, you know, a very bad skin condition and, and, filed down teeth and you know yeah uh, and that's 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 the conversations about the joker started that way between brian and i and, and um i didn't even like the riddler i was just like i don't i don't want to draw the riddler and then brian was like well here's my idea for him and you know he, he changed my mind but uh yeah i mean you know i try to keep everything as kind of urban and um and grounded as i can all right, so you brought up Mr. Azzarello. So, like, obviously you and him work extremely well together. And, like, wh- why do you think, like, what do you think makes that work? Like, when you guys work, are, you, are the two of you in, like, close contact at all times, like, bouncing ideas off each other? Or is it more like a intimate by-yourself kind of thing? Um... I sit somewhere in the middle of the two things. I mean, we definitely talk, but we don't talk that much. When I hear about some of the other guys, uh, I know they're working relationships with writers. So it seems a lot more intimate than the one that Brian and I have. But I think that's hit both probably his personality. I don't want to speak for him, but I think it's probably both of our personalities tend to be a bit more. Um, we'll talk kind of when it's necessary, and then after mm-hmm. that, we just do the work. Yeah. So it's more like the broad strokes of here's what the character is. Here's a, like a loose plot line. Let's kind of, does it give you more freedom when it's like that to kind of draw? Absolutely. I mean, Brian's the best. He's, he's, he's the most collaborative person I know. At least in this industry, he's he's by far the most collaborative person I've met so far, both in, in his writing style and, and just the way he, he works at least with me. Um, you know, scripts are really open and everything's there at the same time. It's not like, you know, he's, he's not giving you what you need to, to do, to tell that story as best you can. Uh, you know, he's, he, I think that he and I probably work well together because he's very minimal and I'm very, um, maximal. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if there's a, there's a better way to say that for sure. But, uh, you know, Brian, Brian, um, doesn't give a lot of direction, uh, description, almost nothing. Um, his work is entirely character based and dialogue based. So that's what moves you through a Brian as well story. And so as an artist, then that's what gives you total free reign to just say, all right, I'm going to just do what I want with this. And, and, um, you know, visually it's completely, uh, you know, up to you to create that, that world and make it, um, and make it convincing. And I think that's why all the better, uh, collaborators, collaborators that Brian has had, um, and he's had some amazing ones, uh, over, over the year, over the years, they're all guys who, um, have, have a pretty strong identity on their own, you know, and, and that comes through in the work because Brian, it gives people, uh, the space to okay. do so. That's, yeah. So, 
to get back to like not not fully, but to get back to the street level kind of thing. Like when I when I see your drawing and stuff, like it's it, throughout all of your work, like your vehicles and your motorcycles and the city, the cities, and just the smallest little details. Like you take so much time to add the details to these things. Like your your story in black and white, where the man's on the motorcycle riding through the town. Like that motorcycle is gorgeous like is that something that you've always been interested in as vehicles and stuff like that or uh no <laughs> no I, I mean i love background i love love cities uh you know the arguments that we would get into thank god there were no um women present because we would have had no uh masculinity left at the end of, of that like the arguments we would have about fictional cities were just uh <laughs> retarded i mean i love with the world building aspect of comics you know i i as cool as it is to draw new york i would much rather draw a fictional city yeah our fictional place and i would much rather try to find a logic to that to that place so i think Doing Gotham for me is just, uh, you know, it's everything that I like doing all mixed, mixed in one location. So, you know, the, the, the attention to detail there in the background is, is completely something that I, I, I'm a junkie for that stuff. Cars, guns, um, motorcycles, vehicles, that kind of stuff. You know, I have a harder time. Uh, I have a hard time with that stuff. Like, I, again, it's honestly that stuff's easier when I can make up something. If I have to draw something that exists, you know, it becomes like doing math to me or something like that. Where <laughs> it feels like, uh, okay, I got to get this done and it's got to look convincing. Um, but that's the comics in general, right? Like there's, there's draw, drawing comics is, is, uh, I mean, you've got to be the cinematographer, the actor, the costume designer, the production designer, the director. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, effects you, you, you have all those responsibilities kind of dumped on you and so when it comes down to it, it it everything just has to look like it fits within the same world so a lot of times you know with that black and white story um it just came came down to me trying to do something that all looked homogeneous that looked like it fit you don't want one aspect to stand out to you you know you don't want something to go like oh god it really doesn't look like he could draw guns very well for example like you have to try to give all that stuff as much attention as you would give something that you're really into so um yeah i can't i can't say that i love drawing all that stuff but it, it's all part of the whole so i know i have to try to do it well even if i don't enjoy it do you when you got on uh, batman noel you took on the writing duties as long as the the penciling, do you love writing just as much as you know drawing and penciling your world? Because now you have an opportunity to kind of like flesh out. Not only you're able to flesh out the world, you can give uh, your world like you know the speech, the talk, like you know what I'm saying. All the elements, yeah. Yeah. right? Right. Yeah, I, I, I like it just as much. I mean, you know, um, with Suiciders, my creator own book at, at vertigo it's really the first time i've done something that's 100 my own and it's that's like a, that's like a drug too because when you start doing it, you don't want to stop it's it's just like uh 
it speaks to the control freak in me, you know, so it's as much stuff as I can have control over in the process, I, I will take it on. I mean, if they would let me color and letter my stuff myself, I, I would. That's awesome. It's just, it's just, I, I want to have as much ownership over what I do as I possibly can. I want it to be as personal as I possibly can make it. Even Batman, you know, I, I, I like that. That's important always been really important to me is that you take even if it's a huge corporate icon i want to take some ownership over these characters in a small whatever small way i can so like if they if i draw my i don't know killer croc i want it to be my killer croc you know what i mean recognizable as such but when you're doing the writing and specifically when you're writing something that you've created 100 percent that's just tenfold because then it comes it, it's just like you know, you have the opportunity to 100, almost, almost a hundred percent express yourself. I can't think of another, um, visual entertainment field that, that enables someone to have as much personal control, except for maybe music, you know? Right. When you're at the, when you're at the table drawing, how, how many hours are you putting in a day on average? Are you there for like 10, 12 hours or when you feel like you've, been able to like, all right, I've, I've, I put this, to, like it's done, let's move right. on to the next one. Like, w where are you at? Yeah, right now, even more. I think right now I'm starting at like 9.30 and finishing at 1 or something like that. I mean, obviously, you know, taking breaks to eat and coffee breaks and stuff like that. Oh, but, uh, yeah, long, it's long hours. Not always like that, though. It's, I'm on deadline right now, so it's... it's um, it's a little bit more intense, but I think I probably spend an average of 10 hours a day drawing wow. on average. Yeah. I mean, it's my day. My day tends to be long. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. So, so we, you were talking about how like when you draw your characters, like you want them, like I notice a Libra Mayo Batman. I notice a Libra Mayo Joker, you know, like, and that being said, like, what was it like to see, Heath Ledger in the Dark Knight, because obviously, like, your Joker was heavily influenced to the design of his, I would say. I was just going to ask that, too. That was, like, the next one. I was like, I need to know this. Well, I mean, it's like, that's going to plague me for my whole career. Like, uh, we started the Joker in 2006. So I started working on that graphic novel in 2006. Wow. And the movie came out when? In 2008? Yeah, yeah. I think they filmed in 2007, yeah. 2006, 2007. So, I mean, we were working on both projects kind of at the same time. And I'll just tell you the, the amount of communication between us working on the books and the movie studios is zero. I mean, there's no, wow. you, there's no communication whatsoever. So for that, something like that to happen, I remember the first Joker image, um, that they put online, I freaked out. I was like, oh, fuck, they're doing the same thing we're doing. Because that initial picture looked a lot more like what I was doing. Yeah. And then when I eventually saw the whole getup, like the longer hair and the purple suit and like, you know, the um, the face paint, kind of dripping face paint, at that point I was like, oh, okay, I see the differences now. Like was, we both did kind of the cut smile, but uh, – you know, the, the, um, the Chelsea grin, but other than that, uh, you know, I see some similarities, but I see a lot more differences and you know, that, um, 
I remember even hearing people say like, God, they like even that shot of him walking out of Arkham Asylum, like the characters even walk the same. And I was like, well, I guess that must mean I walk like Heath Ledger because that was that's, like, <laughs> that's me, you know, that's me. Uh, that's that's me walking there. But I mean, the the, you know, um, is it an amazing coincidence, possibly too much of a coincidence to be, you know, it, is it something like that? Maybe, but I'll never know. I will never know the the truth of, of that. And I honestly don't really care because at this point, that book is something that um, you know I'm really proud of. And it stands I really, on its own. It's I mean, I, yeah, I just I, I'm you know the fact that they put it out. I mean, we finished it in February of 2008. The movie came out when in June or July. 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 So the book was well. The book was done well before the movie came out. So, I mean, like the, you know, does it bug me to, to hear people online say, I was influenced by Heath Ledger? Yeah. You know, I, I, I can't lie there. I mean, like I, I slaved over that book for two years right. and like, that is my vision and, and Brian's vision. You know, that that's very much our, I feel like that's our thing. And, um, you know, uh, the, the fact that the movie kind of had some similarities and, and, you know, they obviously waited to put the book out until the movie was out, which was smart yeah. on DC's part. Just, you know, uh, those, that was lightning in a bottle basically. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, as a result, you know, that to this day is still kind of like, um, you know, Oh, like, did you, did, did what came first? And to me, it's like the chicken or the egg thing. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know the answer. To, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, one thing, the only thing I can definitely say is that the way I see that character in my head is totally different than what Heath Ledger did. And that was brilliant. I mean, his performance was fucking brilliant. You know, I, it was, when I saw it, I was just like flabbergasted by how good, by how good he was. And, um, you know, that vision of the character is, is, is enduring. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I, you know, uh, there is definitely a part of me that's like, fuck, if I have to be compared to something, I'm compared to an Oscar, you know, uh, Oscar winning performance um, by by really amazingly talented actor. It's not it's not a bad thing at all, uh, you know, but now that we're seeing some, you know, some stuff from Suicide Squad, um, you know, that also, you know, has little little bits and pieces from from our book as well. So. Yes. I mean, I think it's safe to say then that the, the, that the book has an influence that stretched, you know, beyond that movie. And uh, definitely. Um, that definitely, you know, is is a good thing. So you talk about Suicide Squad. I want to what's your reaction to seeing that trailer and then the Batman v Superman trailer that was released at Comic-Con and then the Affleck in the suit? Like, what are you what are your thoughts on those so far? I love it all. <laughs> I, I love it all man like I, I you know i can't hide the fact that i'm totally i'm uh, you know i i think uh i think both of them look amazing that suicide squad trailer was was uh just edited beautifully yeah, you know yeah. like i know there's complaints because uh, they're not done shooting yet and it was you know not supposed to be released online officially but you know wow that's it's a compelling trailer you know um and uh, the Batman Superman trailer is just like, you know, me looking at, at what, uh, 
14 year old, or I should say 11 year old me thought that that Batman movie was going to look like, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's like seeing that Batman on screen is, is, um, that's, you know, that's the version of the character that I've been wanting to see on screen for, for a while now. That's how we feel here yep. too, man. Wow. Um, let's get, let's, let's get into wrapping this up here. We know you're busy. Obviously we're taking an hour out of your 10 hour day, man. Like, Thank you. Um, <laughs> It's been what, a nice break, I'll tell you that. It's, it's been better for us. Yes. Uh, what? Let's talk about We Are Robin. What was the inspiration behind We Are Robin? Um, inspiration behind We Are Robin. Uh, three years ago, I think, more or less, I had a Robin idea um, that I wanted to do as a graphic novel. Uh, but they just started doing the New 52, and they didn't really know where it would fit. They were starting to want to push everything into that continuity and the idea of doing something outside of continuity wasn't something that I, I think they were interested in. And just in general, I, I'm not sure if it was the right time for the project, obviously not. And uh, I'd shown it to a couple of people, Will Dennis, my editor at Vertigo and his assistant uh, editor at the time was Mark Doyle. Both of those guys saw the project and we talked about it back then. Now Mark Doyle is, uh, is in charge of the bat office. And I mean, He's the reason why the books that they're doing right now are are so amazing. I mean, like just the variety and and the um, kind of crazy ideas that they're that they're pulling off now. I mean, that's all that's all the the uh, talented creators, obviously. But Mark's um, Mark's kind of the, the the master behind the scenes, the wizard, so to speak. And um, I've been talking to Mark about possibly doing something else with Batman. And uh, we'd started talking about Robin and they had had, you know, had been wanting to do some, some stuff with Robin. And I, I mentioned that I thought, you know, I, you know, thought about this idea that I'd had a few years back and that I, I, I told them, I think I'm thinking about it too small. I think there should be more of these Robin characters and it should be like, you know, uh, there should be a lot of these kids out there um, kind of like undercover agents on the street for, you know, for Batman. Yeah. And Mark was like, and Mark was like, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting because Scott Snyder and I were just kind of talking about the same thing. <laughs> like the fact there should be, you know, some, some more, uh, Robin characters out there. Um, so it was just a good, it was really good timing, but also I think that it was just, you know, now we're at a point in the, in the, um, in the bat universe where something like this can, can work and kind of make sense, you know, uh, it fits in really well with, with, I think with what Scott and Greg are doing in their book, even if it's its own kind of thing, you know, just the the kind of craziness that they're doing right now works, uh, uh, you know, works, works well with the idea that I had and with the story that I want to tell. So, um, yeah, luckily, luckily it came together and, and, you know, I knew I, I couldn't draw it because I was working on uh, Suiciders. But, uh, you know, I've, I've always wanted to write for another artist. I, I always thought that would be a really uh, interesting and enriching experience just to see what someone else would do with your with your ideas. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I did that cover kind of. I think that got a lot of people really interested in uh and the idea, and, and we went from there. 
So last question, we were just, you know, reading through We Are Robin. Like we were at the first issue. The second one's out today, so go pick up yeah. your second yeah, issue. The 22nd, I already read through it. It's phenomenal. But we yeah. have just a question about, like, like kind of like inside the book. Like in the first two issues, you had a Lord of the Rings reference, a Quentin Tarantino reference, Big Lebowski, <laughs> Harry Potter. What's it, like, what's it like to be able to, like, write in some pop culture stuff into your, into your Robin book? I mean, it's just, that's like the art. I think that's the writer's personality coming, kind of coming out a little bit in the characters. And, and, um, and also, uh, there's something about, um, uh, kids now, or, or at least, you know, youth where there's this, um, there's this idea that like, Oh, you know, these kids would have never seen the big Lebowski. And I'm like, man, you don't realize how easy it is for kids these days to have access to all the shit we were watching when we were kids, <laughs> right. you know, when we were yeah. younger and they know all about it. And they, I mean, more so like usually they're so cued in to pop culture in general that, um, like they talk in pop culture references. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we yeah. did too, obviously, uh, you know, I mean, I'm making myself sound really old right now, <laughs> but I mean, I still talk in pop culture references. So when I'm writing, um, I, I set out from the very beginning to not, I didn't want to write these characters like teenagers. I didn't want to throw in a bunch of like modern slang or try to make them sound, you know, uh, particularly youthful quote unquote. Cause I think that sounds really fake when, when writers try to do it. I just wanted them to sound like convincing characters. Um, and then the fact that they were younger would, would be reinforced by other story elements you know, their situation at home or, um, school situation, stuff like that. And so I just thought, well, you know, this Duke character, I, I, I really like him and, you know, I got to kind of develop, really develop his personality. I just wanted, I like this idea of this kid who's into pop culture and, you know, um, knowledgeable about, about that kind of stuff. Man. Lieber Mayo, we cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. It yeah, has man. been all our pleasure. Yes. <laughs> we, we could ask Thanks, you questions guys. all day, but you got to get back to making our awesome comic books, man. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Oh, this, yeah. was, this was fun. Awesome. Yeah. Um, just thank you so much, man. <laughs> we're, we're speechless. We don't know what to like. We're like, all right. <laughs> no, you guys, thank you. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys taking the time, you know? Yeah. You as well. So that does it for episode 38 of Shanley and I'm Batman. On behalf of Kyle Davis, I'm Tom Harper. I'm Justin Shanley. Thank you for listening. I am the knight. I am the knight.